five seconds. He's going to throw it. Howard leaps. He has it. Touchdown, Carolina. Back from the dead to tie the game with two seconds to go. Snap back, spot down. The kick is cleanly away. It is good. And it's Carolina with yes, a 54-yard field goal. And how about them Tar Heels? They do it! Here's Kupak. Gives off to Amos. He's good! He's good! He's good! He's good! Unreal! Jordan back to kick. It's blocked again. Picked up. It'll be a touchdown, Carolina, for Bracey Walker. He blocks his second punt. Bernard fields it at the 26, heading to the far side. Gio at the 35. Gio, he's at the 50. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Gio, he's gonna take it for a touchdown. Are you kidding me? This is the Heel Tough Blog Podcast on Spreaker.com. Hey guys, and welcome into this edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. It's Anthony Pegnata with you guys as always, and Josh Marlowe is back with us for a preview of the game against Miami in what should be an extremely exciting environment up in Chapel Hill this weekend. Uh, buddy, we are ready to go. We are going to be heading up there ourselves. Both of us will be in attendance for this game, and... Uh, I, I mean, I'm trying to think, have we really been to a game that's had a great environment? I, I mean, I guess Pittsburgh was probably the best environment that we've been to, but that was mainly because, uh, you know, we came back, historic win, um, definitely a good environment at the end of the game, but still, uh, they, there was a point during that game where there were a lot of people leaving the stadium, so I mean... I don't know. I mean, is there a game that has come anywhere close to what we expect on Saturday night in terms of environment? Not that you and I have both been to. You, of course, went to the Duke game uh, in 2015, right? which was a, a, a pretty fun environment that day. So, but no, for you and I together, this is the most hyped game you and I have gone to together. Um, I told you the other day, just in conversation, Going to this game is probably the most hyped I've been since we've been going to Chapel Hill since the 2017 title game, which we, of course, watched in the Smith Center. Mm -hmm. um, once this game was announced as a night game, and this was the game that I decided to go to, this is the game I'm looking forward to the most all year because the environment figures to be electric. Uh, the weather from Hurricane Dorian isn't going to affect the game as we know of. Um, you bring in Miami, which is a coastal division rival. You've got Manny Diaz, who's coached under Mac Brown, kind of like last week with Will Muschamp. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of things going into this game, um, and it figures to be a fun one. Yeah, no, I think we're both ready for this. This is something that, you know, we were definitely looking forward to when we saw it on the schedule. 
It's a night game, and as we saw last year, the game against Virginia Tech, even with a team that, frankly, was not good at all by that point in the season, was still very packed, and a lot of fans uh, were, were excited for that game, mainly just because it was at night. Now you put it um, at the start of the season when there's still hope for Carolina, um, and now you come off a huge win over South Carolina. I think this environment is going to be amazing. There's going to be some great recruits on hand that will get to see the great environment. Environment. So it's going to be awesome for Tar Heel football in general on Saturday night. And, of course, they get ready to face the Miami Hurricanes who come off the loss to the Florida Gators. Of course, we remember last year, game in Miami on a Thursday night. Um, or, no, was that was that a Thursday nighter or was that Saturday? That was a Saturday night. It was a, no, no, it was a Thursday night. That's right. Okay. I know because I was covering a hockey game. Um, for my internship at the time, and we—I I don't know why we played on a Thursday night though. That was okay. That's kind of weird, yeah, because I was not able to watch um, the entirety of that game. But uh, yeah, I'm—I'm kind of glad that I wasn't able to watch the entirety of that game. The Tar Heels simply got dominated in that football game. Of course, that's pretty much uh, as we know it. The end of Chad Surratt at quarterback. Now he will be uh, at linebacker after a phenomenal performance in the season opener. So, um, you know, when when it comes to this Miami team, it's really pretty simple. Very good on the defensive side of the football. Last year, the numbers, uh, I mean, they, they they can't be competed with. I mean, this was a team that finished uh, number one in the nation in pass defense, uh, as well as number two in the nation in overall defense. They were one of the most efficient defenses in the country, number four um, in, de- in defensive efficiency. And early on this season, again, it seems like they're going to be really good there. They've got some stars on the defensive side of the football. Um, it's especially at linebacker Shaquille Quarterman, Michael Pinkney, who have been there for a long time, um, along with Romeo Finley and um, and Zach McLeod. Zach McLeod, that's the other one. Uh, they all wrote, I mean, uh, Finley and McLeod rotate a little bit, but really, I mean, they've got four phenomenal linebackers, probably the best linebacking core in the ACC right now. And then you team that with, you know, the defensive backs were looking uh, like they might need to be rebuilt. Uh, they had two safeties that were the best players on the field the uh, two weeks ago against Florida. So it looks like Miami is is right back where they were last year. Their defense is going to be really good. Their offense still a bit of a question mark. Uh, we don't really know what Jaron Williams is at quarterback. Some you know people have a lot of different takes on his first game at quarterback. I thought he played relatively well, especially for a quarterback that got sacked ten times during the game. Um, there were a lot of people that said he held the football a little bit too much. I don't necessarily think that was true just from watching the game. I think the offensive line for Miami was absolutely awful, about as bad as you could get. Um, you know, they start two, uh, I believe it's both a redshirt freshman, but I could be wrong about that. I know it's two freshmen for sure at both of the tackle spots. So Carolina is going to have a chance on the defensive line to have an impact. We'll talk about that, though, uh, a little bit uh, later as we go throughout the podcast. But um, also, you know, when you look at Miami, you know, their their running game is going to be pretty good. DJ Dallas is the one to be concerned about in the backfield. But at wide receiver, they're still looking for some guys to step up. K.J. 
Osborne, the transfer, uh, he had a pretty good game. But uh, other than that, I mean, Brevin Jordan, the tight end, uh, was was the main standout. But there really aren't any isn't anybody that stood out at wide receiver. Jeff Thomas didn't have a great game. So let we'll, we'll see. Carolina's facing a team that is you know basically built the same way they were a year ago. But they don't have the coach that they had a year ago. You go from Mark Richt on the sideline to Manny Diaz. I wonder how, how that's going to affect the team. So, I mean, when, when you look at this Miami team, I, you know, what, what are you expecting from the Hurricanes? I mean, this is pretty much, you know, basically the same team that we saw a year ago now. Yeah, um, they're obviously very physical on the defensive side of the ball. The their linebacking core, probably the best in college football. Um, those guys, and we've got to watch them grow as since they all started as freshmen, and they're you know they're just phenomenal. Um, so they're they're they're, they're going to be physical. Carolina's got to match that physicality for sixty minutes. And on offense, it's kind of just going to be they're they're kind of like how we were last week in the first half where. They're content if they can just run the ball and keep uh, Williams with, with short, easy throws. That's what they want because they don't trust him yet to make big plays, and that's understandable. He's a freshman. Um, but the problem is, is can they protect him? And I think that's something we will need to keep an eye on throughout the game. He got sacked 10 times against Florida two weeks ago. I know this defensive line isn't as good as Florida's, but if they can be disruptive again like they were in the second half against South Carolina last week, there's a really good chance Carolina can win the ball game. But if they if they can't get pressure, maybe we can see what this kid has. And this guy beat out Tate Martell, who's you know, transferred in from Ohio State, is a very talented quarterback. And, and so there, there's, there's something there with Williams. We just haven't seen it yet. Well, yeah, I mean, it's kind of hard to see it when you get sacked ten times. Um, I mean, it, you know, at at certain at a certain point, he probably realized, look, I, I'm not dealing with with any time here. Um, it's it's tough when your offense isn't calling those those short passes uh, that that you like. I mean, it, it was weird because they seemed like they were doing it early on in the game. They were trying to get the ball out quick with a new young quarterback, it was working. And then they kind of went away from it. And once they tried to open up the deeper passing game with an offensive line that was just struggling as bad as they were, that was a recipe for disaster. Um, Jaron Williams took some big hits back there, but he's receiving a lot of criticism. Here's the thing for Carolina fans. Look, you you can't say, okay, well, this kid is, is not that good. It, we're going to have an easy game against them. That's not true. Uh, you, as you mentioned, look, he beat out Tate Martell, and he beat out the guy who, you know, handled Carolina with ease last year, Nikozi Perry. So, I, look, there's something definitely there for this kid. I'm going to be honest. From what I saw from him, I think he's better than any of the other two options that, that we've seen from, in, in their young careers. Uh, I, I thought he was better than what Nikozi Perry has shown uh, or showed last year. And same thing with Tate Martell and the limited reps that he showed. So, I mean, Jaron Williams seems to be their their best choice at quarterback. Um, you know, I don't know how great that is for my. I don't know if that puts Miami in contention for an ACC Coastal um, Division win, or you know, if that puts them in contention to get back to where they ultimately want to be. But uh, I think he's you know he, he's a quarterback that you still have to be careful with, especially as you mentioned, if they start getting the short passing game going. Um, you know. 
when you look at what Carolina has to do offensively in this game, look, Miami is is one of the best teams in the country at stopping not only the run but you know the the pass as well. How does Carolina find a way to break down this ridiculously good defense of Miami? It's it's gonna be and like when I say a group effort, it's it's a group effort. The offensive line has got to be dang near perfect. The tight ends and the wide receivers got to be involved in the blocking game. And also when 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 you get a chance to make a play, when the receivers find grass, catch the ball and make something happen with it. This this challenge defensively is a lot harder than last week's was with South Carolina. I think you and I can both agree on that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think the biggest key is doing what we did last week, which was establish a run game early. If we can come out and successfully run the ball four or five yards, it's going to make life easier on Sam Howell. But if we can't run the ball and he's stuck in third and eight all night long, we're going to learn a lot more about Sam Howell. We learned a lot about him last week with that second half. When he faced some adversity, he made some plays. But also, he could think on just about getting six or seven yards on the uh, on, in the ground game every time he handed it off to either Javante Williams or Michael Carter, and even in the fourth quarter, Antonio Williams. So it's a group effort. Um, the game plan, I wonder, I wonder what it's going to look like with, with Bill Longo. Are you going to see little same what we saw last week with short, quick throws, or are we going to try to get the ball downfield and – and uh, challenge at secondary, which, like you said, was very stout against Miami two weeks ago. So it's going to be a really big challenge. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Um, you know, you, you talk about establishing the run game, and you know, I, I think on paper, you know, it, it would it would be great. But the problem with it is, is I mean, you look at last week, Miami, or two, excuse me, two weeks ago. Keep thinking that they played uh, last week, or I'm going to say that each time at least. Um, you know, they, they held Florida to 50 yards rushing. Florida has a guy in LaMichael Piron that a lot of a, a lot of draft people think could end up going somewhere probably in the mid-rounds in the NFL draft. And they have a couple other guys in that backfield as well that are very talented. So, I mean, here's the thing. They, they slowed down a talented run game in Florida, held them to 50 yards, and, I mean, he, I, I don't really know what, beat that Miami defense because I, they didn't really get beat in the passing game either. They just, I, I mean, really, I think they, they, they beat themselves on the offensive side of the football. Um, but I, I, you know what? I, I think you're, you're right when you say take advantage of, uh, you know, what, what Miami is going to give you. I think it might be a, a, a little bit of a twist on, on that saying, if Miami here, here's what you got to do. You've got to get Miami to turn the football over on the defensive side of the football and put your offense in good positions. And when you're in those good positions, that's when you've got to capitalize. Um, because, I'm, I mean, here's the thing. Miami's defense is not one that's going to make a ton of mistakes. Now, the good thing is, in the first game against Florida, they didn't have a ton of tackles for loss. Not like last year when they entered the game against Carolina with as, as the team with the most tackles for loss in the country. And that was pretty much the entire night for Miami was just dropping Carolina players in the backfield. So I don't know if they're if they're really that good. I think the defensive line definitely has taken a step back from last year. That might be one of the areas where they're a little weaker than a year ago, 
especially on the interior. Their defensive tackles, I don't think, are anywhere near as good as they were a year ago. So I think that's the area that the Orioles have to attack. If they're going to establish a run game, you're going to want to establish it right up the middle. I mean, that you know, that seems like, you know, how is that really that smart running at probably their most talented linebacker and Shaquille Quarterman? But, I mean, look, their defensive tackles are just nowhere near as talented uh, as maybe some people expected. So I think that's where Carolina is going to have to find, uh, you know, some running room is up the middle. On the edges, I mean, if it's there, go for it. But I don't, I just don't think it's going to be there, especially early on in the game. But who knows? Maybe, you know, I mean, we saw it a week ago. Carolina is definitely a team that is more conditioned this year. Uh, I mean, you got to hand it to Brian Hess. This team definitely looks like a different group than a year ago. So who knows? Maybe Carolina can wear this team down a little bit. Miami definitely uh, seemed to be worn down a little bit as the game went on against Florida. That's when you started seeing a, a, a little more success for Florida before, of course, uh, the ridiculous interception thrown by Felipe Franks where he threw into triple coverage. So, um, you know, I, I, again, I think there's, there's going to be little things there, but I think ultimately it comes down to can the defense do their job and turn this unit over and put the offense in good positions against a really tough defense. Um, you know, so from the defensive perspective here really quickly, you know, it's, I understand. I mean, here's the thing. It's week one. You know, you love to, you know, get excited about what you see from a defense. Um, you know, it's hard not to get a little uh, overreactive from what you see in week one because, well, college football is back. This is the first time that we've seen Carolina um, since November. So, um, you know, here, here's the thing. I, I don't know if this defense is going to be as good as it was against South Carolina every single week of the year. But you're going up against a weaker offense it looks like, you know, it sets up to where you could have another successful week. Do you think that this defense can kind of repeat its performance from a week ago? Or, you know, how, how do they keep this up and, and not fall back into the trap that they've done, you know, the last couple of years where they may have, you know, they started the year pretty decent, but then they fall off as the season goes along? It helps that you've got Jay Bateman running your defense. Um, and I think that's why that's not going to be as big an issue as it has been in years past. Um, they, they, they've got to make plays when Bateman puts them in position to make the plays. He had them in position for 60 minutes last week. The first 30, they just didn't tackle well enough to, to, to make the plays. Um, you, so you, you've got a week of hitting um, someone else. So it's just doing, building off of last last week. It's really what you got to do. Um, this, the, the, the defensive line was very good in the second half. Aaron Crawford was a man. Uh, the linebacking toward Chasserat. I mean, I still can't think of that guy playing quarterback his first two years on campus because he looked natural playing the position. Right. And, you know, we, we, we left with the secondary. You know, we knew Patrice Rene really was a, was a, was a good corner. Mm-hmm. It was the other side that we, we left with questions, and you had a guy when uh, when Trey Morrison went down. Great. Our boy Greg Ross, Ross really, really stepped up last week, and this yeah. is a guy who last year we, we gave a lot of criticism to that he, he'd earned because he just had a bad year. Wolf Wolf was really good. So it's just building off of what you did last week. 
they're still going to be the next one. They can't stop the run because they haven't stopped the run in ten years. You don't you don't change it after one game. Um, so it's just continuing to do what you did and get better. Um, it helps that this Miami offense is is very. I'm, I'm limited is a bad word, but we just don't know what they can do because we didn't see anything positive from the Florida game because um, they can't they can't protect the quarterback. So it's so getting pressure and tackling at a, at a pretty good level. Yeah, no, I well, I, I wouldn't say they didn't do anything well. Um, they ran the football pretty well. DJ Dallas had a pretty solid game. I mean, the numbers aren't gonna aren't, aren't gonna tell you the story with that. I mean, they he he ran for 95 yards on 12 carries and had a touchdown. The team finished with 80. What was it? 87 yards. I have to I have to look really quickly, but. Um, you know, the, the reason that there are no, yeah, 87 rushing yards in that game, um, that really just tells you how many times, you know, their quarterback hit the ground because he did have positive rushing yards at one point during the game because he had an early run um, that was pretty significant. But when you get sacked 10 times, it's, it's going to be hard to keep those rushing numbers pretty high. So that, that was the one area where I thought they looked good, um, you know, Throwing the football again, you know, when you have that much pressure in your face, it's going to be tough. So that's that. That's why we're talking about that as a big key for Carolina. Um, I like what you said. You're 100 percent right. That secondary uh, was phenomenal. I mean, there were some questions as to whether or not, you know, after you got beyond the starters, what would we be seeing? That wasn't, of course, a problem at safety where, you know, most of our guys, you know, the, our, our key guys were in the entire game. Um, but really everybody else was phenomenal because, yeah, you mentioned it. Patrice Renee suspended for the first half. Trey Morrison injured on the first play uh, that he saw action. I think it was actually, what, the second or third offensive play of the game. He makes the tackle on – uh, Rico Dodal and then doesn't return to the game with a concussion. Now, you know, we don't know whether or not he's going to be active um, in this game. Again, he has to be able to uh, be cleared from concussion protocol for two days. They did not say anything about it yesterday, which makes sense because they are going to want Miami to prepare for him. Um, so we, we, we don't really know. If he was able to be cleared yesterday, then he'll be able to play. If he wasn't cleared yesterday, then he will not be able to play for Carolina. But as you mentioned, Greg Ross looked great. Um, you know, Definitely has his confidence uh, back after what was just a, a horrific year last year. Um, especially, I mean, it started early on again. East Carolina, and he was just never able to really get it back on track. Um, and Storm Duck, I mean, re- really looked about as good as you could hope for from a freshman. Um, you know, I, I still go back to the thing that Jay Bateman said. First snap that he was in there, he lined up in man coverage when he was supposed to line up in zone coverage. So, um, you know, there, there are going to be some of those mistakes, but he still looked about as good as you could hope for from a true freshman being thrown in in the first half of his first game and basically told, hey, man, you're going to have to find a way to get it done against one of their outside receivers. Uh, did about as good of a job as you could hope for. Um, and, you know, I, I think DJ Ford also, the nickelback, had a really great game. This secondary, I think, is really, I mean, you, you know, I don't know if it's up there yet with the defensive line. I think as the season goes along, you could look back on those two units and say, man, the, the, the defensive backs will have a case because they, they do have some talent. 
our concern was more depth and stay and, and health, especially for the safeties, because Miles Dorn and Miles Wolfolk, they both had their injury issues at times, and the depth at safety is is about as thin as you could get right now. So um, those, those are, you know, that, that was the area of concern there. They showed, it, look, if they can stay on the field, um, they're, they're going to be a really good unit. Uh, linebacker, like you said, Chaz Surratt had a phenomenal game. Now you get Dominique Ross back as well. I don't know how they're going to work that out because, I mean, who do you take off the field? Are you going to take Chaz Surratt off the field? I, I don't think so. He led the team in tackles. Are you going to take Jeremiah Gemmel off the field? I, I don't know about that either because he had five He had five total tackles and uh, as well as half a tackle for loss and half a sack. So I don't know. I, I, it, it's We might have reached that, that weird situation that no one saw in – the preseason where Chad Surratt and Jeremiah Gamel are your starters and Dominique Ross is the guy that you're going to be rotating in, although it would probably be a little more often than with some of our other subs. So I don't know. It's going to be really interesting. I think Carolina, uh, you know, they, they, for the first time in a while, we're excited about the defensive side of the football for the Tar Heels. Um, that's something that I just, I, I have not said, in a very long time, and uh, it, it actually feels good to say. So, um, you know, I wanted to ask you one other thing when it came to Miami. You know, one of the other factors here is going to be the fact that Miami has had the bye. Uh, they played on it during week zero against Florida, um, so it's been two weeks since they've seen the football field. Do you think that pays off for Miami, or, a, or or is it something that's going to go against them in this game, having had a two-week layoff since they last played? I think it, it, it hurts them to some degree. It helps that, you know, they, they, they had the first game out of their way. They've had two weeks to correct what they did wrong in the loss against Florida. But, I mean... They couldn't spend two weeks preparing for Carolina because they didn't have any film on on this version of the Tar Heels. Right. So it was kind of like they played a game and then they were kind of back like in training camp mode or whatever for that one week. And now this week they're trying to get back into game mode. Um, I also think you know you, you you spend all summer hitting someone else. You play some, then you play a game, then you take two weeks where you hit someone else. That that kind of doesn't line up very well. Um, and you, and you look at Carolina, you got the big win coming on Saturday, and you didn't have a layoff in between. You turned around on Sunday, you started getting ready for this game. So I think it negatively hurt them, the fact they had a two-week layoff. And then your opponent gets a win in the fourth quarter. They have something we haven't had in years, which is confidence. There's confidence in that locker room now. It, it, it was probably worst-case scenario for the Hurricanes. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I think that, you know, when, when you look at the layoff, I think, you know, of course, later in the season, everybody wants to talk about buys and how that benefits you. But that's different. Usually during that time of the year, yeah, you like you mentioned, you have film on a team so you can start preparing for them. So you've got two weeks to prepare as opposed to one week, which could negatively affect the other team. Also, you have time to get healthy. Miami doesn't really need to get healthy. They didn't lose anybody significant in that season opener. So, yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I think uh, any momentum that they were able to build on any side of the football 
you know, it's kind of hard to continue that after a two-week layoff. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, what, how, how Miami comes out of the gate. That might be an area where the Tar Heels have to take advantage is if Miami gets off to a slow start, Tar Heels, if they can put together a couple of drives early, maybe get up 10, 14, nothing. That could be huge. That, that could really let the Tar Heels establish a little bit of space between them early on in the game, which I think is, is something that, you know, any team loves to do. But, you know, here's the thing. I, I know that we saw them come back a week ago. You don't want to play from behind. This team has played from behind for way too long now. They played from behind for each of the past uh, the two seasons, and even a little bit during 2016 in some of their wins. So at this point, you know, getting ahead in these games are, are key, um, especially a conference opponent like Miami who's got a really good defense. So if you can get this team off their game early, force Jaron Williams to have to try to will his team back into the game, um, I, I think that's the best case scenario. So, uh, you know, who knows? Maybe the Tar Heels are able to take advantage of that. Um, you know, the environment is going to be awesome. So hopefully they're able to feed off of that environment and, and it should be a fantastic game. Um, I don't, is there anything that you want to talk about with the environment or uh, I, I mean, in, in, in anything else in, in general about the game? Uh, I mean, Mac Brown said when he came back that they got to fix the game day experience. Um, so I guess we can expect some new stuff during the game to make it more fun. You know, the, the, we all know about the alcohol sales inside Keenan Stadium yep. um, for the first time ever. They are going to play one of Chase Rice's songs entering in between the third and fourth quarters. We're also, but we're still going to have Bell's Bells. So um, that, that's good news. Oh, I was angry there for a second. I was like, wait, wait, wait. When they made that announcement, I was like, wait a second. You're taking away Hell's Bells. Really? Right. Um, so I'm excited. I'm excited for that. To be honest, this game didn't need or, you know, they didn't need to add alcohol sales or Mac Brown didn't need to change anything. Once he announced he was coming back and this game was announced as a night game, we knew once we got the announcement, this was going to be an all-time atmosphere in Keenan Stadium. Right. And now you just factor in the fact that you can count on some, some drunk fans, um, some new in-game stuff to make it more fun for us. Oh, yeah, and this team this team won game one, which they haven't won against an FBS opponent in 17 years. Like, we're, we're, we're going to be jacked up. Um, I... I don't know about you. I'm, I'm looking. I'm looking forward to it. I want to give this uh, Miami team some hell, and hopefully, we're a part of why this team moves to two and zero tomorrow night. Yeah, no, I, I, I definitely think that you know th- this is probably the most hyped game that I've I've been around since uh, you know c- covering the Tar Heels. Um, you know, it's just, I, yeah, I, I definitely am about as excited as you. I think this is going to be a phenomenal environment. It's an extremely important game, and there's confidence back in this team for the first time in a, in, in a while. So, yeah, no, I'm, I'm pumped for it. Um, you know, the alcohol sales, like you mentioned, definitely help. Um you know, I, I like the fact that, you know, they're going to discount um, everything concession-wise, not not alcohol. Alcohol will be, you know, it is what it is. They, they listed everything, um, which, by the way, $8 for a PBR, 
is uh it's crazy it's that that's absolutely nuts um pbr i don't even th- i think you can buy six packs in or probably shit probably even uh even 12 packs um that are you know that, that are less expensive than eight dollars for pbr so um I thought that was that that was interesting, but everything else, all the other concessions, uh, they will be discounted for fans before the game starts. So if you get in early, you get discounted concessions. It's basically their way of wanting people to get into the stadium early, be in their seats, watch this team warm up, cheer them on as they go off the field, and then be ready to go come kickoff. Because we've seen it in past years, we we've been inside the stadium. I mean, there you you have you know the team getting ready to come out of the tunnel, and the stadium is almost nearly empty. Everybody is still taking their time getting into the stadium. Um, you know that's one of the things about the Tar Heels that it is known around college football. It's a very late arriving crowd, and I think Mac Brown wants to kind of wipe that away. Um, you know, they'll, they'll like you said, there'll be some other in-game features. I, I, again, it's you know it's kind of tough because how much can you actually do with the in-game stuff? Um, but you know, I think that you know they'll definitely have some better soundtracks that they're going to be playing. Like you said, um, they're going to switch it up and they'll have Chase Rice, uh, Chase Rice. Is Carolina Ken during uh, the third and fourth quarter? Um, you know, which I, I think is I think is interesting because I actually like the Hell's Bells because it kind of got all of the fans involved. Um, I'm not saying that it's it's a bad move. We'll see when we get in. I think it's going to be cool. Um, I definitely hope they have a new intro song. Maybe Hell's Bells is the new intro. I'm not really sure, but um, you know, the last couple of years has kind of been about you know uh, the the intro has kind of been uh, right for the performance on the field. It's just been kind of drab, and uh, you know it's it's tough to really get overly excited. So I think Mac Brown will change that up, and it definitely helps that this team um, is is you know looking about as good as as it's looked since 2016. I know it's early in the year; um, it's tough to say that, but they just beat a South Carolina team that many people thought could win you know six or seven games with one of the toughest schedules in the entire country a team that um as pat dooley of the gainesville sun told me yesterday when he talked to will muschamp will muschamp said that was he believed that was the best team that he has had so far in his tenure at south carolina so uh, there's a reason to be excited um you know i know it's everybody's saying look you need to take that first game with a grain of salt but hey you know, live it up right now. I, I mean, definitely don't think that this team is going to come out and now is challenging Clemson for the ACC title. But, you know, have some confidence that this team can get some stuff done because, you know, look, it, it does take a lot to walk into that first game in Charlotte and have a true freshman quarterback complete a comeback in the fourth quarter, drive the team 98 and 95 yards in back-to-back drives to score those touchdowns and, you know, seeing some really good signs from a defense that was just lifeless over the last few seasons. So, um, yeah, I, I think that there's uh, there's reasons to be confident. The environment's going to be awesome, and uh, we are definitely ready to go for you. Um, so that's going to wrap it up for this preview edition of the Miami podcast uh, or of the Heel Tough blog podcast for the Miami game. So, uh, yeah, it's early in the morning. That's that's the problem, guys. Um, 
So make sure you guys go HealToughBlog.com. That's where you can check out the podcast um, as well as all of our other articles that you can check out. We're going to have the Miami preview on there. And again, we'll just, we'll, we'll tell you how it's going to work. Um, it'll start with the previews, which go in depth. It gives you everything that you need. Team breakdowns gives you the statistics. We're going to have this year's and last year's statistics on there for you guys. So you can kind of uh, get a little bit of a sense of what both teams are about. Again, with Carolina, you know, I think a lot of people are probably going to throw out last year's uh, stats. Uh, for Miami, it's a little more telling because it still feels like they're kind of the, the same type of team, um, really just under a different head coach. Um, so make sure you check that out. We'll have the injury report, projected depth chart on there as well. Then after the game's over, it'll be on Sunday uh, afternoon, maybe into Sunday evening, really just depends. Um, that will be where we will recap the game against Miami. So I do those. Uh, I'll give you probably five or six. It may be a little bit more. It just kind of depends on how the game goes. That's how many I usually give you. But five or six headlines from the game, what we learned um, from the game against Miami. Then we'll circle around on Monday. That's when we have the stock reports that come out. It'll tell you which players are trending up, which players are trending down, as well as some of the other elements of the team that are trending up and trending down. And then we'll have the Tuesday trench reports, which will come from our guy, Josh, who is here on the podcast with us. He'll give you uh, a look at both the offensive line and defensive line performances against Miami. Both should be great because you got a defensive line going up against a Miami offensive line that is young and really struggled against Florida. And then an offensive line going up against a still a very solid defensive line for Miami. Again, I, I mentioned earlier, not the same as they were a year before. That doesn't mean that they're not good. They're still one of one of the better teams in the ACC on the defensive line. I don't think they're up near Clemson or anything, but I still think they're a really good defensive line unit, so that should be a really interesting one for you guys to check out. Uh, make sure that you like and subscribe to the podcast as well as leave us a review wherever you listen to the podcast. You can do it on iTunes, Google Podcasts, uh, iHeartRadio app has it, uh, TuneIn, uh, TuneIn.com, the TuneIn app, uh, as well as Radio.com. Make sure you check out um, all of those wherever you listen to the podcast. Make sure that you like and subscribe to the podcast so that you don't miss an episode. And also leave us a review. We'd love that so that we can uh, work on our game. We don't have film to go off of, um, so we do like to hear from you guys so that we can get better as we go along. So want to thank Josh for joining me as always for the preview podcast as well as the recap podcast. He's the guy that's going to be with us uh, throughout the season. Of course, you guys know that with recruiting, uh, Zach Hubbard will be on. But uh, I think as of right now, we're still uh, relatively cool on the recruiting trail. Most of the focus is uh, on the field right now. So uh, you'll be hearing a lot of Josh coming up. But want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels.